Hey, Prime members, you can listen to The Takeout ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you be enjoying great-tasting dairy, you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. This is dairy you can feel good about. It's great-tasting, high-quality organic dairy ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Five, four, three, two, one. But who's counting, right? His name is Major. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's the takeout. This is a major achievement. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major Garrett. Yes, CBS. Yes, hi. Major Garrett. Major, that's nonsense. And you should know about it. Is Major out of the doghouse? <laughs> the answer is yes. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. I'm Major Garrett. Welcome to the takeout. Thanks for hanging out with us. You know... A lot of times we're heavy into news and politics. Occasionally we take an off-ramp to comedy. You know I love to do that if you're a veteran listener or watcher of this show. I love to hang out with people who are writers of comedy, performers of comedy. They're brilliant, they're smart, they're edgy. And we're going to do a little bit of that today. We're going to do a lot of that today. In fact, that's the whole show. And the question underlying everything we're going to talk about is why is Mel Brooks important? Well, if you're someone of a certain age... That's me, 60. Mel Brooks is one of the most important people in your life if you love comedy. He has influenced American comedy for decades, and influenced is probably not even strong enough a word. And he is behind something that he never intended to be behind, History of the World Part Two. He did a movie back in 1981, History of the World Part One, suggesting there'd be a part two, but that was a joke. And only Mel Brooks knew that that was the joke. He never intended a part two, but now there is. And it's on Hulu, eight episodes. I've watched all eight. It's really, really funny. And it's a great homage to Mel Brooks. And not only that, he's involved in it. And two of the people in this highly collaborative effort, I mean highly collaborative effort, are with us this week. Dave Stassen, director, writer, I think showrunner, maybe he'll correct me if I'm wrong on that. And Jay Ellis, one of the many actors... He's in six, I believe, of the episodes. Jay, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Jay, David, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So uh, let me start with you, Dave. Walk my audience through how this project got rolling and how involved Mel Brooks was in it. Uh, Well, Nick Kroll is known to be a nuisance in Hollywood. And he basically, uh, for many years, annoyed Mel until (laughs) Mel agreed to do the sequel. And uh, Nick uh, asked Wanda to help him uh, develop the show. Wanda Sykes? Wanda Sykes, yes. And because they're both multi-hyphenates, busy stand-ups, showrunners of their own other shows, 
Uh, they wanted a couple people uh, who were going to be boots on the ground in the writer's room every day uh, type writer producers. And that was my writing partner, Ike Barinholtz and me. And we were lucky enough to to come aboard at the start of the process. Uh, as Ike has said, it was the fastest yes we've ever said. And uh, there was no doubt about it. I mean, Mel Brooks was, you know, is is like the the, the gold standard. And uh, that was that was how it started. And Jay, how did you get pulled into this? And was it a fast yes for you as well? Yeah, I mean, the second probably most annoying person in Hollywood is Ike Barinholtz. Uh, <laughs> probably as many times as Nick called called Mel Brooks, Ike called me because. Much like Mr. Brooks is an idol to Nick, I am that to Ike. That's basically how this whole thing works, really. Yeah. So, it's idol uh, to idol to idol to idol. That's yeah, how it that's works. That's really how got this it. whole thing got passed around. Yeah. It's you like know? a big billiard table. I got it. Yeah. And then he told me that David keeps a small altar in his office uh, with for me. So it was a very easy yes for me as well, to be honest. I've never been um, – uh, I've never had so many platitudes thrown my way uh, at one time on the call. <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, you know, uh, I gave me a call and he was like, listen, man, like we've been talking about this. We are doing this show. We've been talking about this set of sketches and, uh, we would love for you to come do it. It's Jesus. It's Mel Brooks and, you know, history of the world part two. And literally before the phone call was over with, I said, yes, I never saw a script. I never, I had no right. idea what I would be doing. Um, I knew I was in good hands. Obviously I know David's writing. I know Ike's writing. I know Nick's writing and Wanda. So like, and obviously V Mel Brooks. So I felt very comfortable and also just wanting to go play. Right. I got to imagine you hear Mel Brooks, Jesus, like, yes, stop right there. That's all I need to know. Is, is there anything else? <laughs> there's, there's nothing else you can say. Nothing else could follow that up to make you say yes anymore. Like you already, you are, that's the yes. So uh, I'm not going to spoil any of the, uh, the bits. They're all fantastic. Uh, but I want to ask you both. And Dave, I want to start with you. Why is a religion, but specifically Jesus, a constant source of comedic inspiration? Well, when we were in the room, this idea that maybe Mel had talked about at some point, the idea of punching up. Mm -hmm. What we talked about in the room a lot, like, you know, like making fun of those in power. And I think... You know, Mel comes from, you know, uh, a, a persecuted religion. And and, and the, the Jews have always, you know, gotten through tough times, partially through their comedy. And uh, we, you know, whether it was, you know, bishops in power or or dictators or whomever, it's just the, it's just the Mel Brooks way to make fun of those in power. Don DeLuise as Julius Caesar or... Hitler on ice, like you make fun of uh, those who those who can hurt and choose to hurt others. And so uh, it just made sense to kind of send up, um, I don't know, a, a powerful, uh, a powerful religion. Right, right. And Jay, of course, curb your enthusiasm hovers. Maybe it doesn't even hovers, maybe center stage in much of the early portrayals. Walk us through that. Yeah, I mean. What better uh, human being on the planet than Nick Kroll to play Judas? I think this, <laughs> he's been waiting for years for this, guys. Uh, this all led up to this. No, but 
you know, what a funny way. I think all these stories, to be very honest with you, from Curb Your Judaism to the Book of Mary to mm-hmm. um, uh, the Last Supper Sessions, I think all of these are such a fun way to, like, tell a different story of Jesus' persecution and how he was, you know, uh, uh, betrayed by Judas uh, in different ways, in modern ways. Um, and so I think all of these really have this fun, obviously modern take to them. Um, but are still telling a very familiar story that we that we know and also gives, you know, uh, the disciple Jesus and the disciples and everyone around him, Mary included, Mary Magdalene included. Uh, it gives them a different personality and a different take than what we than what we may get uh, as as readers of the Bible. And Roy Wood Jr. was on the show a couple of years ago. and We had a long conversation about the things that make comedy work. And one of the things he said is comedy is very close to pain. Comedy is very close to tragedy. And when you're going to spoof the Spanish Inquisition, you need to lean into that spoof because that's basically grisly and nothing but pain. And Mel Brooks found a way to do that in the movie. And similarly, in so many of the other bits here, you're right up against pain, but you can find a lot of comedy in that. Dave? Yeah, I mean, we talked about that a lot in the writer's room, that up until about 100 years ago, life was terrible for about 99% of the people on earth, right? Until we had like indoor plumbing and penicillin, like life sucked. Like unless you were the richest person in your area, wherever you were in the world for the last 20,000 years, life was terrible. Nasty, brutish, and cruel. Yes. And so we were able to, you know, we wanted to always sort of point out, hey man, like life is tough. And like there was was always a a chance to turn the dial back to it, like, we were, you don't want to make fun of the people you know, who were not in power too much, but you want to point out like, oh man, like it would be terrible to be, you know, serving under Kublai Khan in the year 1200 or wherever you were in the history of the world. It is, it, 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 it was tough to get by, you know, people, people died before their 30th birthday, you know, mm-hmm. for most of mankind's existence. And Jay- that's part of, right. That I say that. Yes. Yes. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think you're going to be I think you're going to be teaching somewhere very soon. Yeah. I think I'm depressed now. <laughs> Jay pull him out of it. Pull him out of it. He's circling yeah. the drain. Yeah, you know, sometimes you need him to go there to get the good writing out, you know? Just I need I need David to be tortured for my next show. He knows. He knows. That's but how they J- treat but us. Jay that is a that is true that comedy exists and one of the ways it succeeds is how close it is to pain. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think it's this. Uh, I was joking with a buddy about this yesterday. I think it's a thing. It's how we get through. It's how you mask it. It's how you learn from it. It's how you, you know, you try to take ownership of this thing that is pain and like reinvent it as something new, right? I think there's so many different reasons why why folks, why cultures have done that for years, and why we do it as comedic artists right whether you're a writer or performer or whether you're on a stage telling you know telling a story or telling a joke i think there's there's we do it almost to like reclaim the ownership in a way and maybe not deal with it maybe we're compartmentalizing a little bit Mm -hmm. and this is our way Mm -hmm. of dealing with it but i do think that you know you there's that old saying that like write what you know and if you come from a place of pain then you know Maybe you don't want to go down that dark place that David just sent himself down since he <laughs> That's right. realized, Look, that people- all, realized that humanity died at 30 before, 
for 80 percent of our time on earth but you know maybe you want to find another way to tell that story and exactly uh, and, and exactly. i think that, that is that is uh, a lot of what was done here people much wiser than i have said comedy is coping and that's what we're talking about with dave stassen and jay ellis part of a massive collaboration behind the hulu series history of the world part two i'm going to take a quick break back for more one second Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to The Takeout. Uh, this is a great experience for me. I've told you before, I will say it again, I love to hang out with people, even via Zoom, who talk about comedy, you talk about writing, you talk about the creative process, and I get to do that with two incredibly successful people in that realm, Dave Stassen and Jay Ellis. Uh, you know Dave Stassen from the Midney Project and Central Intelligence. You know Jay Ellis from a lot of things, among them Top Gun Maverick, Insecure. So just a backstory, ladies and gentlemen, um, I grew up in San Diego, California. Let's just say the Protestantism in my household was very light and not ritualized. It was kind of discretionary, so light and discretionary, kind of like Cool Whip. So Mel Brooks was, for me, the wise, hilarious Jewish uncle I didn't even know I had or needed, but he was. And if you go back to Mel Brooks of that era, you start with the producers he did stuff, obviously, earlier before that, but he became well-known for The Producers, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, a movie that the studio didn't even want to release because they thought it would be a bomb. It turned out to be one of the best attended and best seen movies of that year. Others came after that, silent movie, Spaceballs, etc. History of the World Part 1 is now a Hulu series, and Dave Stassen and Jay Ellis are among those behind it. So I want to ask you, Dave, and then also you, Jay, um, and Mel has said this, jokes he wrote and things he put in the movies back in the 70s, he would not write and put in movies today. How do you update Mel Brooks and preserve the edginess of Mel Brooks without doing some of the things that he now looks back on, not with regret, but says he wouldn't repeat? Well, you know, we didn't, we didn't really talk about being careful about crossing the line or, oh, there's jokes we can't say. We really just kept, you know, we kept Mel in the back of our mind the whole time. We mm -hmm. just wanted to like honor his style of comedy and really his entire, we call it the MBU, the Mel Brooks universe. And so in the whole uh, part two, there are homages to the producers and Spaceballs and uh, Blazing Saddles. And we really just wanted to do his style with, you know, our group of comedy writers sort of, you know, uh, natural, you know, natural, you know, comedic takes on things. 
but there was never any fear of, oh, we're going to get in trouble or, you know, we didn't, because Mel, like all those, those, those jokes were, were great at the time. Maybe you look back and some of yep. them like, you know, are no longer appropriate. There's very few of them, in my opinion, that, that, that fall into that category. I, I quite we, agree. Uh, he he yeah. has regrets about Blazing Saddles, but I think Blazing Saddles is the most important movie ever produced that shows how stupid racism is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. And it was you know, co-written by Richard Pryor. Right. Uh, <laughs> Hello. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we wanted to, I mean, Blazing Saddles, for me, is like one of my all-times. Like that and Young Frankenstein yep. and History Part 1 were the movies that... Were ba- they were basically my babysitters, like when I was growing up. They were parents are going out, VHS tapes of those movies. So Dang. we just wanted to honor uh, everything Mel has done. And Jay, in that atmosphere, because I don't need to tell you, actors, comedians in, in particular, have talked about the sensitivities of this time and feeling not encumbered or not necessarily limited, but certainly aware of them. How does that roll through you and how does that roll through your perspective participating in a show like this? There's a couple of things. I think when you know, first of all, who the, who the players are, you already have a sense of where a thing can go, right? I think if you know Nick's work well enough, David's work well enough, Ike's work well enough, Wanda's work well enough, just who they are as people out in the world, uh, I think you have an idea of where things can go and probably also won't go. And there may be some things that you get completely surprised with as well. But I think that like, you know, the, the thing that I always say is like the yes was so easy for me because I knew I was in good hands. Mm-hmm. Right? Like going to play Jesus with a very religious mother uh, was probably not the easiest <laughs> choices to make in the world. Uh, but the reality of it is like I know that I'm in good hands. Right. And I know that their intent is not to offend or piss anybody off. Their intent is to go have fun and poke fun at some things that like need to be poked fun at, you know, or it could be looked at in a different way. And so I think in knowing that they then create this environment on set that lets, um, that invites play, it invites improv, it invites ad-libbing, right? It invites all of these things for you to find stuff that's not even on the page and see if it works in these, in these skits. And uh, I think that environment coupled with this creative team like i think everyone i can't speak for the whole cast but i would imagine all 70 something of us i think mm-hmm. the number. i think everybody <laughs> felt very very comfortable in in the hands that they were going to be in plus yeah Ed, when i when i said it's collaborative did. that's what i meant but there's 70 70 actors involved it's collaborative yeah pretty collaborative i mean you're co- constantly playing off of somebody and jay the simple truth is that satire is sacrilege right in some degree, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it has to be. I mean, if you're going to bump up against things that are uh, in in the vein of Jesus or anything about that, uh, biblical references or text, there will be some who will think it that that whole satir- satirical approach is off limits. But that's where the that's where the that's obviously where the humor resides. That's where the insight resides, and that's where people can grow more comfortable with things that it seems to me, can oftentimes seem out of reach. Yeah, for sure. I always think of uh, the Book of Mary to me is one of the fun ones because I always think about like, mm-hmm. we have no woman's perspective of what that story of Jesus is. You know Precisely. what I mean? Like that, even right. just that at such a basic level to me is just such an interesting take on like, oh, maybe it went down a different way. Maybe they were in love. <laughs> maybe they were like skipping through the streets, holding hands. Like, right. you know, 
uh, you, you know, and, and she not to, she never got to tell her story. Her book wasn't included in the larger text. So mm-hmm. like, even just little things like that, I think, uh, are both fun and poke fun at how obviously uh, patriarchal society has been. And also still where we stand today, where like women don't often get the platform to tell their own stories. Right. And Dave, one of the things that that runs through all eight episodes is patriarchy, uh, racism, racial divisions and separateness taken for granted. And there's a lot of poking holes in all of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, that is that again, that's punching up. That's punching up, and that's what History of the World Part One was, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it was that was what Mel's always done, and uh, and then looking back, like all of every person in history that we learn about as kids, whether you know, I unfortunately learned a lot of my actual history through Mel Brooks' <laughs> movie History of the World. Like that's what I know about, about the Inquisition for the most part. But what we learn in school, you know, whether it's about Abe Lincoln or uh, Joseph Stalin, is these figures are so much larger than life and, and comedy, the, the fun part of what we get to do is just, Oh, every, every single person that ever lived had, had like a foible, right. Had like a funny character, yeah. flaw, whether it's like, you know, Jesus was maybe a little bit vain, you know, and maybe he's enjoyed the power for one minute at a, at a party. Maybe mm-hmm. he's not a bacon cheeseburger or like <laughs> any Lincoln was grumpy and like complained that he was too tall. Like, Let's just let's just put some human human qualities on these larger than life figures. Right. Uh, blow the marble dust off of them, if you will. Yeah, exactly. So um, one of the things that strikes me about the series is the ability that the writers found to modernize it right up until the time. I mean, there, there's a, in the first episode, again, I'm, I promise not to give too much away, but there's a reference to the Civil War. And then you hear Merrill Brooks say, no, not the one in 2024. <laughs> like <laughs> we're like in the moment. Uh, it, it, that had to be. Uh, see, it felt to me, Dave, that that was a pri- priority for the writers to bring it as up to speed and up to date as possible. Yeah, it was always like uh, I mean, it is the history of the world, but it's in our time. Yeah, and you want to walk that tightrope of uh, we're doing the old, the classics. We're doing the Bible. We're doing American history. Uh, we're doing, you know, uh, dictators like Joseph Stalin and, you know, and, 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 and the, and the Russian revolution, but you want to, but, you know, just naturally we're all writing in the year 2022 at the time. And we, we just naturally can't help, but, you know, think about, you know, what's going to happen in 2024 or, uh, you know, how the, how the, how the hell did January 6th change our country or whatever, whatever the. Oh right. man, Jay, I'm depressed again. Jay, pull me out of it. <laughs> We're going to take a break. We're going to take a break and it. let Dave settle himself. Jay will have an intervention quickly during the break. Right. We'll be back well. for segment three. I'm Major Garrett. Jay Ellis, Dave Stassen. I'm having a blast. We'll see you in a minute. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. 
I'm Mo Rocca, and I'm excited to announce season four of my podcast, Mobituaries. I've got a whole new bunch of stories to share with you about the most fascinating people and things who are no longer with us. From famous figures who died on the very same day to the things I wish would die, like buffets. Listen to Mobituaries with Mo Rocca on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Get your Emmy nominations ready, folks. Just prepare yourself. Hulu series, History of the World Part 2. Dave Stassen, one of the writers. Um, give me all your titles, Dave, for this show. Um, executive producer, writer, director. There we go. And Jay Ellis, actor extraordinaire in the series. Um, Jay? Oh, Major, you forgot my title as well. Go ahead. <laughs> Jesus, son of God. That's right. I, you know, how, how do I leave that one out? I, I mean, that, that, yeah. that, that's like... It's a title. That, that's kind of like a faux pas to just leave Jesus out of it. I agree. I I, I apologize. Uh, I'm probably going to suffer for that later today in unimaginable ways, but you're we'll for, get through that. We'll forgiven. get through that. You're forgiven, my son. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a start, man. That's a start. I'll take it. Um, so, Jay, uh, again, without giving up too much, uh, there's a, a great bit at the end, and you refer to it. Uh, the Last Supper sessions, it's Jesus and the disciples and the Beatles. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, what a, <laughs> fun, what a so fun good. way to think of that last couple of days together, the last <laughs> week together. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I kept texting me uh, randomly like, oh, man, just watch the Beatles doc again. Ah, oh, that Beatles doc is so good. <laughs> Oh, man, the part where Harrison quits the band. Like, he just kept randomly every, like, three or four days he would text me. And I read I – finally, I texted him back, and I was like, Ike, I've seen the doc. I know what you're doing. I've done my research, Ike. I've seen the Beatles doc. Peter Jackson did an amazing job. But uh, so much fun. So much fun to, like, you know, what if Jesus knew he was a rock star that entire time? You know, right. What if he was walking the earth like Lennon, and he knew he was the dude the entire time? Uh, and also like, you know, uh, I think there's this, this, this fun kind of like quirk to him that like is in there when you, when you add in like those kind of like linen, like qualities, like, did, was he a jokester? Was he a prankster? Mm -hmm. he, you know, how, how did he write songs, you know, and, and how did he lead the band when he was writing the song, when they were writing right. the song? Uh, and then also, obviously, you know, what was the relationship with Mary? Like, I also think that's such a fun one. You know, Zazie Beach plays such an amazing Mary Magdalene, who was like a uh, version maybe of Yoko and very clearly contributed to this band and to these sessions uh, yes. at the behest of a few other people. But, it, you know, it was it was amazing. It was absolutely like a joy to do. Richard Kind is a genius. Yes. <laughs> is a genius. Uh, it was great. So I could I could just tell folks. Uh, yes, there's a Yoko joke, and yes, there's a fifth Beatle joke, and they all land brilliantly. It's so much fun. Dave, tell my audience a little bit about how writer's rooms work, and if you want to talk about one bit that's in the series as an example of that, please run with it. Well, you know, we... Uh, so Ike, Ike Barinholt, Nick, Nick Kroll, Wanda Sykes, and I, before we started the room, we decided we wanted to do the show in the format of the movie which was some major stories. We called them tent poles for our show. And then you'd sprinkle in some random one-off sketches around them. And we 
And Nick had always wanted to play this character named Schmuck Mudman, uh, a mud pie farmer in the Russian countryside. And Ike had always wanted to play General Ulysses S. Grant. And uh, and we knew we would do something around Jesus and Mary because it's so universal. And then Wanda uh, had mentioned or had brought up wanting to wanted to do something around Shirley Chisholm, the mm-hmm. first African-American uh, female presidential candidate for a major party. So we made those our 10 polls and then we got a room together. We sort of told them those, were, you know, we'd write lo- longer sketches. We'd break up. And then, uh, and then it was just a matter of one at a time, breaking one tent pole story at a time. You know, we'd take two weeks and, and work on the Russian revolution, two weeks and work on the civil war. And then in between as a, as a break for fun, we might take a day and just blue sky. Hey, what if Shakespeare actually didn't write all of his plays and right. he was a tyrant and owned eight other writers, basically, and took their <laughs> ideas? Or, you know, what if... Yeah, wh- why don't we show what a writer's room looks like, huh? Yeah, yeah, the writer's room with the bad boss, um, <laughs> I, which I've never been a part of, but you hear stories and mm. then you just kind of get to... I don't think maybe people who worked on this show might... <laughs> yeah, but, yeah I, 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 I'm sure they're all fantastical historical hysterical stories, but probably not grounded in any truth. But still funny as hell. Yeah, and that was um, that was just a great day on set because uh, Josh Gad plays Shakespeare, and Mel had wanted to get him. Mel had been talking about getting Josh in the show uh, ever since we started talking to, to him about about the whole thing. And Josh came in and just like just nailed it. Just this huge energy. I mean, people were crying through their <laughs> COVID masks at Village in the first take. And uh, yeah, that that to me was a very fun one and kind of speaks to very, a very like traditional history of the world type of sketch. Right. So that I'm glad you mentioned that, Dave. And Jay, I want to have you weigh in on this. So people were laughing through their COVID masks. You said you're writing this in 2022. You're shooting it in 2022. And how much did the pandemic influenced the ability to do that work and put this together was that on the other side of it or near the other side of it or halfway through what was it like well we did the writing over zoom okay uh you know now it's not the same as being in person you don't get you don't get everyone's rhythm and energy the same way but uh we got really lucky with just hiring a great group of people and it was a very friendly group and that helps over zoom and then, um, and then, you know, on set, there's just, you know, you got to wear a mask unless you're an actor and they're right. very fancy and don't have to wear a mask. And they love to walk around without their masks on because their makeup would run. And yeah, the Jay right now is just, you know, checking his makeup. He wears it just regularly. Um, but no, they, you know, Jay can speak to, you know, what it's like being on set as an actor. But yeah, you know, it, it was during COVID, but, you know, people were vaccinated and, and things, you know, generally went pretty well. Yeah, and just for everyone's knowledge, you know, the uh, takeout makeup staff was sent via Learjet to Jay, you know, and so they <laughs> took care of him, as they do for all of our guests, just so, just so everyone's clear on that. Thank you, guys. Hey, you're, uh, you're great. I'm going to give you back to major in a little bit. Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jay, how, 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 special is it, how special is it to be Jesus and not wearing a mask? That's like a double thing, right? Hey, it was pretty special, I have to tell you. I definitely felt like I was sitting at the top of the food chain. Um, it was great. It was, you know, listen, I, I think uh, COVID and wearing masks is throwing everything off for everybody. I think in a similar way, you know, when, as David's talking about, like, you know, being on Zoom and not being able to catch people's flow and rhythm and, and 
it's a similar thing when you're on set with a mask, right? Like it is harder to kind of see, especially when you're talking about a insanely talented group of improvisers who literally the minute someone stops can pick right back up on a joke and like keep it to keep a bit running. And so, you know, like trying to do that like this is really, really difficult. It's really mm-hmm. hard. And uh, we are fortunate enough that like we are all kind of kept in a zone together at times they keep a clear shield on us. So at least we can see each other's faces. And then at other times we didn't have to wear anything, which then allowed us to kind of be able to go and play and do our job as normal as possible. But I will say, uh, you know, for being man, spring of 22, when we shot this, mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like this, this, this COVID team, the COVID team on this production did do a really good job of making sure everyone was safe. Um, and still like, you know, following the rules and, and, you know, handing out masks nonstop and testing nonstop to make sure we were all safe. So, uh, seriously, props to all those folks because it's no small endeavor. I can only imagine how complicated and intricate it is. And there's lots of people who make all that work hour to hour, day to day. So, very much props to them. And, Jade, strikes me looking at all eight episodes, like the biblical epics of the 50s and 60s, there was like a cast of thousands. Lots of actors got in on this. And there's sort of a addictive cameo watch for those of us who took all eight episodes in was it did it and I, i'm going to set you up on this jay because i got to take a break in 30 seconds but uh when we come back i want you to tell me how it sort of it, I, it seems to me now maybe everyone was signed up on the front end and and you can tell me that on the other side of the break but it seems to me that there was like hey how do i get in on that or can i get in on that kind of like uh, the way the lucy show matured uh when everyone wanted to be on i love lucy um so when we'll, I'll find out. That's all of my rampant, completely nonsensical speculation. We'll find out how close or how far I am from the actual truth on the other side of this break. I'm Major Garrett, Dave Stass, and JL's History of the World Part 2. We're having a great time. Back in a minute. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes Podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news, and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. Welcome back. I said, Jay Ellis up. Jay, how far off am I on this idea that actors got into this maybe they're all signed up maybe they weren't how did that flow Uh, because there's lots of great cameos lots of cool people show up in unexpected ways and that's part of the delight of watching the series yeah i i am gonna um i'm gonna give you some breaking news here and (laughs) i'll probably never work for hulu again after this i might lose a few friends also to be honest drum roll please um ike barinholtz nick kroll wanda sykes david stassen they called every single person (laughs) in this thing to be in this thing and they lied to each one of us 
They told us that Mel Brooks specifically asked for us. Every every single person. We all thought that 96-year-old Mel Brooks was sitting on the hills, top of the hill somewhere, yep. watching us, watching our amazing work, mm-hmm. and, and called for us and said, Jay has to be Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mel has to be the Karma Sutra guy. And 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 uh, uh, who else? Who else? Uh Fat, uh, uh, Josh Gad has to be Shakespeare. Like we literally thought we were hand chosen, um, but that's not how it went. Jack Black it, has to be Stalin. Jack Black has to be. I mean, we we literally we were all forced to audition. They sent us all sides. They made us audition. Stassen watched all our tapes, and he was like, "Not good enough. Give him this note. Make him do it again. Not good enough. <laughs> Give him a note. Make him do it again. Not good enough." There was a real power play going on with these mm. writers. I just want you to know. True, right? True. We had oh. like eight more sketches for uh, for Jesus, but we had to cut them. It's because Jay, Jay, Jay's performance wasn't up to snuff. <laughs> no, I think this is one of those ones where, like, you know, obviously these guys know a ton of people. They've worked with a ton of folks, and I think this was probably a no brainer for everybody. I'm pretty sure everybody got the call, and and literally knowing the creative team mel brooks mm-hmm. and history of the world i think it was probably a very easy yes for everyone involved is that how it worked dave you booked everyone in advance or did this become kind of a hey what's going on i want to get in it was a combination jay's right it was a lot of a lot of easy yeses because everyone wanted to be involved in something that had mel brooks's name on it that they knew was going to honor and pay tribute to mel so there was a lot of quick yeses. Now, as Jay said, there were a ton of parts to cast. So casting during production became kind of one of the biggest things we had. Anytime we had a break, there was a casting call. Because anytime you'd have a big victory, like we got we got Seth Rogen. He's available for six hours because right. Right? he wants to do it. He's carving out time or whoever we would get. Be Jason Alexander, big. whoever. Right. Jason Alexander, you know, like Jason Alexander, one of the reasons I moved to L.A. is because Seinfeld. That was a real thrill for me. And then you you get these people and it's such a big victory. And then you realize, oh, that's like, that's one day of work. Or that's maybe two. You got to do it all over again the next day. You got to keep finding these great names. So while it was a lot of work, it also was just a matter of going out to the people. And uh, everybody, you know, everybody for the most part wanted to do it. It was a matter of, are we busy? Can we, we're shooting it this day. Are they shooting something else? Can we, mm-hmm. can we fit it in? It was a lot of, you know, scheduling stuff that, People smarter than me uh, had to had to figure out. And and Jay, for the benefit of my audience, let them know in this series how much of what landed was improvised, meaning it arose out of the actors in the moment, or was it mostly from what the writers produced and maybe a little improv on the margin? How did that play and how did that land? Oh man, I think each each of these skits is probably so different. Like I look at that Gad skit, for example, and I'm sure there's a you know there's a healthy amount of like there's a healthy amount of what is on the page is guiding his improv to some degree, right, and taking him to a place that allows him to play. Uh, and I think the same thing, you know, in 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 our skits, I think of like I mean, you can't have JB smooth on a set and not expect him to just go off on a tear. There's just no way he's going. Same thing with Richard Kind. Like you can't have them on a set and not expect them to just go. They, right. they they very much honor the words on the page, and then they add a few things as well. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. uh, but I think what, what was really cool is because again, we're you know we're talking about Mel Brooks, Wanda Sykes, David, and Ike. Like we're talking about a bunch of folks who understand that and also welcome that. Right. 
So there was a lot of play to be had. There's this really funny uh, bit. I'm not even sure if it made the edit on the last supper sessions. Now I have to go back and watch it now, but there's this bit where Richard kind runs out of the, he runs out of the recording room at one point and he's like, are we dropping the English accents? Are we dropping the accent? It's there. It's and, there. Well, improv. <laughs> everybody died. It wasn't even actually the improv. Kind actually thought he heard someone say we weren't doing the accents anymore. So he just ran out of the room and was like, are we dropping the accents? I don't want to do this anymore. And literally it just stuck, you know? So like, that that is how this whole thing kind of works. You try stuff and you know, some stuff by accident. Sometimes you try stuff and and you get the like out of boy or you get the like let's try a different way. And it all it all uh, it all comes together in the edit. And Dave, I want to ask you because we had this conversation earlier and I want to take it in a different direction because there has been this conversation about sensitivities and that limiting comedy, but I wonder if there's another way of looking at it that's it's expansive, that representation matters and that ways to tell stories have opened, not closed. Your thoughts? Well, that's a great uh, observation. And I think maybe, I don't know, unconsciously we thought about that. We thought that way in the writer's room, but um, while the movie's great, you know, it probably is, you know, 95%, you know, one one point of view and all uh western civilization uh, mm-hmm. history and and so you know while we're doing it for mostly an american audience because it's hulu uh and so we wanted to tell american stories we also the world is you know everyone is so much more global now we wanted to tell stories about uh asia or latin america or uh you know eastern europe or whatever whatever it may be um uh and so it wasn't really like we didn't, you know, vocalize it explicitly, but we just knew like, hey, there are a lot of funny people out there and they don't all like look like maybe Mel Brooks and Dom DeLuise did in 1981. And we can we now have access to, you know, so much so many more comedy point of views. And so I think we just sort of thought of it like that. Jay, your thoughts on that? Um, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think it was so fun to be able to see different stories from different parts of the world. And, and uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of complexions in this. There's a lot of different points of view and stories. I think it's great. I, uh, I, I, when we do History of the World Part 3, I'm sure there will be uh, yes. even, even more. You know, I do, I do think, you know, to David's point, though, I think it's really awesome to be able to, like, have some of those larger universal stories that cross the world. And then there's obviously some of the stuff that's more local here in the States. And then we get to pop into a few places and see like, you know, Kublai Khan or the conversation right. story or uh, the Russian revolution story. Like there are, you know, it, it is fun to be able to pop out to different parts of the world and, and tell stories there as well. It's great. Something that limited history of the world part one was sort of the Western canon and how everything was that was largely portrayed was from a Eurocentric point of view. And I can tell the audience, the eight episodes of Hulu history of the world part two, take you around the world and they do it brilliantly humorously and uh, with great affection to the inspiration behind it all. Mel Brooks, Dave Stanson, Jay Ellis, part of our show is ending now. We'll pick up the takeout on take a special on the other side. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.
I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Welcome to your Takeout Outtake Especial Zoom event, because our two guests are in L.A., Jay Ellis and Dave Stassen. Jay Ellis, one of the actors in History of the World Part Two on Hulu. Dave Stassen, writer, director, sort of showrunner, I guess, right? Producer, uh, all of that. So one thing I want to ask you both is, does it matter and did it matter that this is a streaming small screen endeavor as opposed to a big screen movie as history of the world part one was in 81. Well, I mean, we, we wanted to, again, I, I'm sorry if I'm a broken record, but we wanted to honor Mel and the movie was, while it was kind of a sketch movie, it had big cinematic uh, moments to it. Right? right. And big expensive sets, you know, for back then. And so we needed some of it to be cinematic and big we want didn't want it to be just a traditional sketch show there's some one-off sketches that are you know a simple set on a stage right but we also wanted uh you know a civil war you know encampment and <laughs> a, a russian village and a carnival during uh you know jesus's rise to you know to prominence in in, in bethlehem back in the day so we wanted some big moments because it felt bigger than just a normal sketch show Right. So uh, we have three questions we ask almost every guest on the show. There have been a couple of exceptions. I hope you have fun with them. Most of our guests do. I'll start with you, Jay. Uh, here are the three questions. Favorite book in your life and why? Favorite movie? And if you're going to really jam on some music for a long period of time, what kind of music, artist, or genre is it most likely to be? Oh, my goodness. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, this is the SAT portion of the show. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Okay, favorite book all time? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to go with The Alchemist. I feel like I quoted a ton. It's all about the journey, right? Nice. We're all, nice. On, we're all on this journey. Mm -hmm. Um. Mm -hmm. All right, what's the next one? My favorite movie. 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 I mean, come on. Come on, Major. I can't. This is, I can't even do a favorite movie from a year. Like, much less a decade or, or all time. This is, come on. If someone sees me say this, I'll never work again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to do my favorite Mel Brooks movie, Spaceballs. There you go. Spaceballs. Excellent. All right. And uh, what what kind of music is your jam? Oh man. Um What kind of music? I mean, I'm a 90s early 2000s hip hop kid. Like I feel like mm -hmm. I grew up with that. So I can listen to that all. I can listen to like Jay-Z Eminem, Nas, Biggie, Tupac on repeat for a Snoop, like just on repeat for hours. That's what it means. Dave, your turn. Okay. Um, 
favorite book, probably one of the only books I've read twice is freedom by Jonathan Franzen. Uh, it, you know, again, Jay, I'm sorry. It's kind of a depressing book, but it's also, it's also very smart. It's, a, it's, it's, a, a, it's the subplot of our yeah. show. Dave struggles yeah. with uh, depression. It's a, it's a subplot. Yeah. It's not the lead element, but it's a subplot. No. I, luckily I, I channel it. Um, and then uh, favorite Mel Brooks movie. I'm going to follow Jay's lead. Good idea. Go Blazing Saddles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, music also. I'm an, uh, a 90s a 90s uh, music listener. I love to do uh, Lithium, the Lithium channel on, on satellite radio, which right. is, you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Smashing Pumpkins, that, that type of stuff. Right. Uh, coming to an Instagram clip near you, I like to do Lithium. That's where, that we're, that's where we're going to go with that. But yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> Listen, you've, already opened, you, you've told us a lot today, David. You told but us yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to cancel my therapy there, tomorrow. You know, what? one of the things we like to do here is we like to have some sharing, you know, and there's been, I think there's been some sharing here. Don't we agree? Sure, yeah. A lot of sharing. Uh, Jay, we got like 45 seconds left. You need to share more, bro. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I have anything else. I will say, David, this is my pitch for season three. Uh, I want to play Frederick Douglass designing Washington, D.C. Oh, love it. Love it. Come on. Uh, yeah, let's go. Hulu did Hulu. We, 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 don't, we don't have sound effects on this show, but if we did, that would be ding, 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 right. ding. Or like Angel, the Angel-like sound. I, oh. I, I, thought, I thought it would be more like a, like a Pitbull track. It'd be like, ba 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 ba. Yeah. <laughs> Hit him with the hind. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you, I hope you took that all in. Because that's something you're going to see in the not too distant future. Because there is right, there's going to be a part three, right? Yes, yes. Fingers crossed. We hope so. Hulu, listen to me. Part three. Commit to it. And that bit that Jay Ellis just described, run with it. Jay, Dave, it's been a pleasure. I know I took a lot of your time. Thanks for hanging out. Congratulations. Best of luck. Thank you. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to The Takeout ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with my producer, Becca. Becca, what's what's up? So the Late Show Pod Show is everything you love about the Late Show on oh, a I podcast. Want, I want to know about you. Oh. Enough. We, 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 people see everybody in an ad talks about the thing they're trying to sell. Oh. I'd like to know about you, the person behind creating the podcast. Oh, I'm having a really good day. Barry baked some bread, and my friend Kara got me some chicken salad. It's a really nice day in the office today. Listen to the Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of people spend a lot of money on things like skincare, fast fashion, and even surgery, all in the name of self-improvement. But as the price of perfection rises, when is it time to call it quits? I'm Rima Hreis, host of This Is Uncomfortable, a podcast from Marketplace. 
This season, we dig deep into the financial trappings of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.